Hi, this is just a reminder that here at Newsweekly headquarters, we are on baby watch, which means basically my partner and I are expecting a baby any day now. So when that happens, Newsweekly will go on a four to six week hiatus. Also, as always, Newsweekly is an ad-free listener-supported podcast made possible by teammates like you. So just go to patreon.com slash Shah, that's S-A-M-I-S-H-A-H, to support this podcast. Top Stories of the Week Putin unveils new plot twist in war in Ukraine. Also, trusting aged care providers, probably not a good idea. All that and no more on Newsweekly. Hello, I'm Sami Shah, and thank you for joining me as we punch the news in the headlines weekly. Crashing into the Kremlin news now. It isn't easy keeping something going for ages, weeks in and weeks out, and yet also to get the attention required to justify continuing doing it. Especially without making it feel like it's gone on too long and is now just struggling for ratings. In those situations, the powers that be can often feel the need to do something dramatic and radical to attract attention, but not change the status quo too much. No, I'm not talking about Russia claiming two tiny drones that blew up over the Kremlin were an assassination attempt on Putin. That's just stupid, and no one really actually believes it. I am, of course, talking about the latest Spider-Man comics. Writer Zeb Wells has tried to make people care about our favourite web slinger by doing things like making Peter Parker trust his old enemy Norman Osborn, and then Mary Jane and Spider-Man get into a battle with the Mayan god Wyep in another dimension, and Mary Jane sacrifices herself to allow Spidey to make it back home. This leaves MJ with the mysterious Paul who has a goatee. Time moves more quickly in this alternate dimension she and him are trapped in, so even though only a day has passed since Peter was teleported back to his earth, Mary Jane returns with a long-term marriage to Paul and she has two kids with this guy and this is the reason I stopped enjoying Spider-Man after Joe Quesada's one more Dale bullshit. Why can't we just get the Spider-Man who's married to MJ and they have a kid named May and their story grows forward instead of this rerun stuck in eternal sacrifice for nothing bullshit. Anyway, in lesser important news now, I guess two drones banged into the Kremlin and Russia's claiming this was an assassination attempt by Ukraine with the US or something like that. Look, the war is in its 63rd week and it's hard to get anyone to pay attention, so Putin's got to do some plot developments that people will notice. We're going to start with that developing news out of Russia, Moscow, specifically the capital, and Russia's claims that two drones attacked the Kremlin, effectively the seat of uh, Russian uh, government. They've blamed Ukraine. Ukraine has denied it. That's from the BBC, which was probably just relieved to no longer have to spend all its time finding weirdos excited about the goddamn coronation. As well, let's go down to the Mall. I was just down there uh, earlier today talking to people who've already been camping out for some of them for four or five days. Well, you're from uh, Nigeria, Nigeria, that's right. Yeah. Why Nigeria. are you determined to be here on Saturday? Just to request the coronation of the king. Teresa and uh, Jim are here from on holiday from Connecticut. Do you have a tent? I do not have a tent. I have a chair. This is where I will be sleeping. I'm pretty sure she's just homeless, BBC. The two drones exploding over the Kremlin, or when they hit the Kremlin, it's not clear what happened exactly, are worth noting because it might be the first direct attack by Ukraine so deep in Russia. 
So far, Ukraine has been limiting its attacks to a few isolated incidents in Western Russia, like a border checkpoint here or a freight train there. Ukraine, of course, denies it was responsible for the attack because that would risk a further escalation on Russia's side. President Zelensky, visiting Finland today, denied responsibility for the strike. We don't attack Putin or Moscow. We fight on, on our territory. We are defending our villages and cities. We don't have, you know, enough weapons for this. A presidential adviser in Kiev tweeted, Ukraine wages an exclusively defensive war and does not attack targets on the territory of the Russian Federation. What for? This does not solve any military issue, but it gives the Russian Federation grounds to justify its attacks on civilians. Though he left open the possibility, the emergence of unidentified unmanned aerial vehicles at energy facilities or on Kremlin's territory can only indicate the guerrilla activities of local resistance forces. Which hasn't prevented Putin from pretending like this attack was something he barely survived. The first word of it came from President Putin's spokesman, claiming it was a terrorist attack, that it was aimed at him, but it had left him unscathed. Unscathed because the drone exploded above the Kremlin. Oh, and he wasn't even there at the time. So definitely not scathed, I guess. And with Zelensky making it clear there's nothing for the Ukrainians to gain by crashing two drones into the dome of the Kremlin, Putin still needs to blame someone for the closest he's come to death since that time a t-shirt shaved his nipples while he was riding a horse. Russia tonight blaming the U.S. for the alleged drone attack on the Kremlin, claiming without any evidence it was an attempt to kill Vladimir Putin. Moscow saying without question that such an attack would be, quote, dictated to Kiev from Washington. The White House today blasting that accusation, calling it, quote, a blatant, bold lie. One thing I can tell you for certain is that the United States was not involved in this incident in any way. Which usually means the United States was definitely involved. Whoever thought of the drone attack, it was a pretty stupid idea and badly executed at that, so quite likely the CIA. Meanwhile, in a desperate attempt to not have to go back to reporting on the coronation, the BBC is going over the drone footage from every possible angle, like it's the Zapruder film. This is the first video we have. It's in Moscow. We see an object fly in from the left and explode. Now, these two videos, I should say, they are posted on social media and our teams are right now in the act of verifying them. We know this is Moscow because this is Red Square. Then, 16 minutes later, a second strike goes in. And if we play the video on and pause again, there's the object flying towards the dome of the Senate Palace. We see the same dome with smoke rising from it. Video reveals a clock showing it's 2.27. Clocks show it happened at 2.43. Back and to the left. Back and to the left. Back and to the left. Putin, of course, needs to deal with the trauma of the attack, so he's going to be throwing oligarchs out of windows for the next few weeks. It's his version of a mindfulness colouring book. <music> Providing for the providers news now. The federal budget is going to be announced next week, although Treasurer Jim Chalmers has yet to confirm speculation that the budget will include a surplus for this financial year. 
The ABC News article reporting on this says this is because of surging commodity prices that it blames on the war on Ukraine dragging on, and not the fact that somehow Coles and Woolworths saw record profits this year while maintaining a combined duopoly of over 60% of fresh food and grocery sales, something somehow not enough people talk about in this country. There have been some spoilers and leaks though, with some exciting tidbits being shared ahead of the likely disappointment of the actual full budget. It's a strategy Labour has stolen from every current Marvel movie release. Workers in the care economy will be among the biggest winners in Tuesday's budget. A seismic shift in aged care. Australia's 250,000 aged care workers to share an $11.3 billion pay rise over four years, a 15% wage top-up from July, worth $140 a week for personal care workers and cooks, and almost $200 a week for registered nurses. This is the pay rise that aged care workers need and deserve. It's a much-needed overhaul, especially since prior to this, the closest that aged care workers got to a raise was if they were given a tip by your poor grandmother if she forgot she wasn't in a restaurant, except she was still tipping in 1965 rates. Government modelling suggesting higher wages will attract an extra 10,000 people to the sector, which already has a high reliance on migrant workers and international students. Because that's who you want to be responsible for your vulnerable relatives, foreigners struggling with cultural differences and students distracted by upcoming midterms. Still, the increased salaries will be a positive. As long as they reach the workers... See, the problem is the money won't go directly to the workers. It goes to the aged care providers, who then have to ensure they pass it on to the workers on award wages. Award wages is the minimum legal wage that must be paid by an employer to their employees, based on the industry and job role they are in. So how will the government make sure the money gets to the people it's intended for? The pay rise was ordered by the Fair Work Commission in November for those on award wages. Providers paying above the award will be expected to pass on the increase and be named and shamed if they don't. Publishing uh, as of 1 January next year what providers are paying their workers and they will have to attest to us in quarterly financial reports that they have passed that full freight on. That's aged care minister Annika Wells saying that workers would be able to check they were receiving the increase and from January 1st providers would have to show they were passing on the full rate in quarterly financial reports while their pay rates would be published by the government. Except January 1st is seven months away, and quarterly reports have a three-month gap between them. And not all international students or migrant workers tend to stay for long enough periods to be accounted for, or sometimes even have an awareness of their rights. But luckily, the aged care providers are a famously ethical and trustworthy group. They definitely didn't report the highest number of instances of unreasonable force, quote-unquote, in a quarter since records began two years ago. With the sector-facing accusations, they've downplayed the harm caused. Downplayed, despite 7,663 instances of unreasonable force in the last three months of 2022, the highest quarterly figure since records began in April 2021. In many cases, the incidents have caused injuries that may not immediately appear, such as blood clots. They also probably weren't using the consultancy firm PwC to help set their pricing for the coming year, which just happens to be the same consultancy firm working for the government to advise it on new service prices in aged care. The same PwC, which only earlier this year got into trouble for sharing confidential government tax policies with clients. 
It's also not a big deal that they were using another consultancy, KPMG, to advise them on policy. KPMG also just happens to work for the government, auditing the quality and safety of residential aged care homes, while somehow simultaneously charging providers for advice on audits and accreditation. And it definitely isn't a big deal that Tim Hicks, the Executive General Manager Policy and Advocacy at Bolton Clark, the country's oldest aged care provider, couldn't really make a guarantee on radio that the new wages will be passed on to workers in full. Bolton Clark is the largest independent not-for-profit aged care provider in Australia. Will you pass the full 15% wage rise onto your staff? What we can guarantee is that our extra spending on wages next year will be at least equal to any additional funding that we receive. Now, there's still a little bit of information to be released from government, like the amount of additional funding for home care. Okay, let me just unpick that if I can. At least equal. So is that the full 15%? Well, what, what we can guarantee is that the full 15% on the award will, be, will, will definitely be given to our workers. Beyond that, we're still unpicking all the details of the government's announcement going through our budget. But there doesn't appear to be a legal obligation on employers to pass on the wage rise. Do you think that should be built into legislation? As it does provide strong um, sort of moral persuasion to providers to pass that along, and I think it is um, going to be a strong moral obligation on all providers. Yeah, but a moral persuasion isn't a legal persuasion. It is. It isn't. I mean, and ultimately, that's a matter for government. But as I said, you know, we, many in the sector, have been strong supporters of having um, strong accountability mechanisms all the way through. In 2022, Bolton Clark was one of two private providers that took over from two Melbourne councils to provide in-home aged care. Just one of those council contracts was worth $6.7 million a year. Aged care staff, however, went from being paid around $34 an hour and receiving travel allowance to get to homes when they worked for the local councils to award wages of $24 an hour and workers having to pay for travel costs and other costs themselves under Bolton Clark. It's starting to seem like the money announced isn't so much for the workers as it is a new stimulus package for the aged care providers. That's it for this week's edition of News Weekly. As I said earlier, News Weekly will most likely go on paternal leave uh, for the next few weeks. Four to six weeks is what I'm hoping for. I shall return. Of course, I miss you too much to stay away for too long. In the meantime, please support this podcast by going over to iTunes, leaving a five-star rating and a review, telling your friends and family about it, and just spreading the word generally, and supporting the podcast with your love and adoration and prayers. I don't care about your prayers. I do a little bit, to be honest. I do care a little bit. That's it for this week's edition of News Weekly. Stay tuned for the next episode where we'll punch the news in the headlines weekly.